goal for the Irish at the timeout. Williams, right to the right side. Powers to the end zone. Look, low snap, picked it up, takes an end zone shot, and finally, McKinley goes up and gets it, and it is a touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Homers Podcast with your hosts, Mason Plummer and Nathan Erbach. What's going on, Notre Dame fans and Golden Homer fans? We are back. Uh, last time we recorded, it was a solo episode by Mason talking about Tommy Reese leaving Notre Dame for Alabama. Now we have Jared Parker elevated to offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Uh, Gino Gadouli, I don't think, has been officially announced by Notre Dame, but it looks like he's going to be the next quarterback's coach. A lot to talk about. Obviously, the Andy Ludwig buyout stuff. Um, along with Harding, the offensive line coach at Utah, uh, Colin Klein as well. Um, both of those guys were talked about by Marcus Freeman today in the um, press conference that he gave. But excited to talk to you guys about this. Obviously, very touchy subject when it comes to to Notre Dame and this offensive or Notre Dame fans, I should say, in this in this search as a whole. But but Mason, I know you've had some thoughts on it. Uh, I, I saw it, you know, via Twitter while I was sort of kind of on the wayside last week on vacation, just sort of trying to enjoy myself. But man, how are you doing today, first and foremost? And uh, maybe just some some early thoughts before we sort of really, really dive into this. Yeah, I got plenty of time to kind of reevaluate and get my thoughts clear on what I thought about this whole offensive coordinator fiasco. I drove <laughs> back from Tennessee this afternoon. I was seeing uh, some of my girlfriend's family so that's about a six hour drive for me. And I texted you about halfway through that I was going to pop on the, the Freeman uh, pre and Parker press conference. I've seen how long I could drive without popping it on. Cause that was my, that was my time killer, but I was able to pop that on and really, you know, get my thoughts straight on what I think about what happened in the offensive coordinator search. And based on, you know, what we've heard and then what Freeman said happened, you know, try to come to what I think actually happened because the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Right. So I ultimately, I think Freeman went up there said we had to say, we can get into that later, but uh, I have a lot of thoughts on, you know, everything that went down, how it went down and then kind of how Freeman saved it, I guess this week. Yeah. And I think, like you said, we'll get into kind of more of the nitty gritty details and maybe our thoughts on the whole, like you mentioned fiasco. Cause I think that's a proper way to sort of phrase it right now. Um, you know, just the, the whole search uh, as a whole leading when, you know, leading with pretty much Tommy Reese kind of just having like a two, like it was a, he interviewed on a Wednesday, it was gone by a Friday. So it was very quick. Um, and then I think the OC search overall took about two weeks, but I, I think our buddy John of always Irish sort of said it best over the last couple of days. And regardless of how your thoughts are, of or where your thoughts are in regards to Jared Parker and maybe how the Notre Dame administration and the coaching staff and all that kind of sort of handled this search. I sort of feel bad for Jared Parker in general. Like I don't feel bad in the sense, like obviously he got elevated to OC at Notre Dame, which is a, a big accomplishment for him for himself. And I'm sure a big pay raise as well. So from that standpoint, I don't feel bad, but I almost feel like there is a, at least half the fan base that is almost going to just write him off and not maybe give him the respect he deserves as the OC, regardless of how he does over the next, you know, two, three, four, five years, however long he's at Notre Dame for, which, you know, 
if he does well, he probably won't be at Notre Dame for five years. And if he does bad, he obviously probably won't be at Notre Dame for three. So, but it, let's just say it's, it's good, right? Mason, let's just say it's, he does a solid job. He's right up there with Tommy Reese, maybe even better. I almost feel like because of the way the search went down, there's always going to be this bad taste in, in, in at least some of the Notre Dame fan bases, you know, mouths. And for that, I sort of feel for, for a guy like for Parker and even honestly, Gino, uh, you know, uh, the, the new quarterbacks coach, I'm, I always kind of, I always have to kind of think when I say his name, I think it's a, uh, what is it? Gino Gura Dooley. Is that how you say I it? I think it's, I think it's Guidooley. Okay. Regardless. Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. Maybe while we're talking, I, I know we'll call him Gino. today in the, in the, we'll just say Gino. Yeah. But I yeah. almost feel like those two guys are going to, sort of get the short end of the stick a little bit, regardless of how their 10 years go um, at Notre Dame, just because of the way things went down. And like you said, it wasn't necessarily the, the truth probably lies somewhere in between, but just because of the optics of the whole search, I guess, um, you know, I hope Notre Dame fans could sort of evaluate Parker without that. If he does really well, evaluate him and, you know, and be happy that Notre Dame elevated him and Marcus Freeman, you know, at the end of it made the right choice. And if he does poorly, you know, just, just, just evaluate it on that and just kind of leave the search out of it. It's, it's done with hope, hope that, hope that it's handled better um, in the future, whether it's defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, head coach, position coach, whatever it may be. Yeah, I'm with you there. I hope they, you know, people as a whole evaluate this at face value for what it is with Parker. He's been dealt a tough hand. He's always going to be looked at, unfortunately, as likely the backup option because that's kind of what it was. It was offered – the position was offered to two other guys, or at least they brought in two other guys for interviews. I guess I shouldn't necessarily say the position was offered, but right. for whatever reason, both uh, Klein and Ludwig turned it down. So the next option is Parker, and I think he handled himself extremely well, and you and I can touch on that in further detail here in a second. But – um Parker did as good as of a job as he possibly could have today in the press conference, considering the optics. And today was all about saving face with Notre Dame. Freeman and Parker did a great job, but yeah, I think they're, they've certainly been dealt a, a tough hand by how Notre Dame handled this. Notre Dame don't, I mean, make no mistake. Notre Dame put themselves in this position by the way that they handled this fiasco. And usually they're very, very media friendly in the way that they handle things very professionally. The PR is always you know, in the right spot, they're doing things the right way. Uh, all the messaging is clear and consistent. And that wasn't something that we saw, which is rare, really. When you think of all the past times Notre Dame's had a hiring or whatever, if there's any sort of issue, like there's always some sort of, not necessarily scandals, the right word, but there's always something big happening at Notre Dame, whether it's hiring, firing, or maybe it was a scandal in, in the Brian Kelly era. Um, you know, there's always something going on and things are usually handled pretty well. And today was a rare or this past week or two, I guess, has been a case where it was not handled well. I was glad to see I was glad to see Notre Dame kind of figure it out today. And I think I mean, don't make any mistake. That's what Freeman had to say, regardless of how he feels about it. He had to go up there and say what he had to say in order to make it seem like they were on the on the same page, that this was all, you know, that Ludwig and Klein decided not to come in their name for their reasons. And that was that. He feels like he has all the support of Notre Dame, whether that's true or not. I hope, I really hope it is, but part of me thinks that he's saving face here and whether he is or isn't what he said was the right thing to say. And I I think it's a good thing. Right. And I think that kind of brings us to our next point. And we haven't really been able to expand on this, at least on the podcast. I know, like I said, 
earlier, I, I definitely saw some of your initial thoughts. I think that you've sort of come off of those at least a little bit, just because of a little. some of the things that you've learned and different things like that. And, you know, and I think I was sort of in a similar boat. I mean, when it first happened, you start, I mean, I'm on vacation when this is happening. So it's even, it was even kind of weirder at the time, but so I wasn't like looking at my phone as much. I maybe wasn't as plugged in as much as I typically am when it comes to the, some of this stuff kind of breaking and all that. But, you know, you, you hear from multiple different Notre Dame outlets that, you know, the buyout was, you know, an obstacle for Notre Dame. And some people said it was an obstacle in the sense that Notre Dame didn't want to pay it. Some people said that Notre Dame was negotiating it down or at least trying to have a conversation with Utah about the negotiation process. Some say that Notre Dame like was completely blindsided by, by the, by the op or the, by the buyouts in the sense that, you know, sometimes coaches have a, you know, have a buyout, not head coaches, but, you know, offensive coordinators, defense coordinators, like they don't always have buyouts, but sometimes they do. And when they do, they're like, you know, they're fairly low amounts overall. And, you know, this one happened to be, you know, bigger than I think anybody ever expected um, for, for an offensive coordinator and even for an offensive line coach, because they were sort of a package deal. And then some say that, you know, Andy Ludwig essentially just turned Notre Dame down and the whole process was sort of blown out of proportion and they were willing to pay a buyout and, Whatever. So it doesn't, I guess it doesn't really matter what you believe at this point. It doesn't matter what I believe. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what anybody believes, but the optics of it just, just are, are, I guess from a fan standpoint, just annoying because it, it feels like Notre Dame, like I said, regardless of what actually happened, it, there's this like premise that Notre Dame maybe is not willing to do all they can to win national championships when that might be true, but it also might not be true. But we all be, we both know that optics are everything essentially when it comes to this kind of stuff. And I think that's really the unfortunate part. Cause let's just say Ludwig did turn Notre Dame down and Notre Dame from the get go was willing to pay the, was willing to pay the, uh, the buyout regardless of the amount or even if they tried to negotiate whatever it was, let's just say everything was sort of, was just way different than what some people believe. That's not what was portrayed by the media. Um, Pete Thamel had a tweet out there that said it was, I think I used the kind of the direct quote that the buyout was an obstacle for Notre Dame. It never was like, Oh, it was an obstacle for Utah. Right. So it, no matter how it was spun, it, it was always like, okay, Notre Dame was being cheap. And like I said, regardless if that's true or not, it that's just kind of the way it works and it's unfortunate, but now we sort of move forward and we hope that Jared Parker ended up being a great choice. And um, we'll get into that, but I'll let you sort of touch on what I just, what I just said as well. Yeah. I think you have to move forward from here, but I, I would imagine that Jack Swarbrick behind closed doors off the record, of course, would be the first to tell you that this wasn't handled well. Right. And especially based on his track record of doing things cleanly, kind of like I mentioned before, this wasn't handled well, and he knows that. So yeah, he's a good businessman. Yeah, he's an attorney. He knows how to speak fluent, you know, fluently in that kind of that sort of language. He knows he's done this dozens of times at Notre Dame, and this one just happened to go awry. For and we'll never know one hundred percent the reason why, but you know the optics are bad, and it's just frustrating. But my only other thing I have on this before we get into what Parker had to say was that if you expected Marcus to say anything today other than he feels that he has a hundred percent support. He's never going to say that. Yeah. I don't, really don't feel like I was a hundred percent supported by the, by the administration. We could have had Ludwig, but this and that he was never going to say that. So it shouldn't have been a shock. Marcus said what he had to say. Kind of like I said in the beginning, yeah. um, 
I didn't take a whole lot from that. I was glad to hear him you know, go up there, and he's a great speaker. I was glad to hear him smooth things over, but everybody was listening to that for Parker, and I was, even after your text that he crushed it, I was pleasantly surprised with what I heard, and of course, words are only words for now. We yeah. need to see it in action, but at the same time, I mean, he handled himself as good as he possibly could have, even with tough questions. Like, somebody asked him, you know, how did you, how were you able to handle yourself in a professional manner when you you're seeing yourself get passed over. Of course he wants the offensive coordinator right. job and he couldn't have answered that any better. He, referencing notes in his phone about what he'd do here, what he'd do there, giving his unsolicited advice to potentially help out a coordinator candidate because he wants what's best for Notre Dame. I love that. Uh, I'm not sure what else you had your thoughts on, uh, on Parker and what he had to say. Well, he even, someone even asked him the question about just like, I think it was Tim Priester actually asked him, like, he was like, Hey, give us what actually happened at West Virginia when it came to, him being a coordinator and him calling plays and he was pretty honest about it, but you could also tell that he was sort of like, I'm not going to give you all of it because there definitely was something. I think there was something that went down there that he wasn't too happy about. And that's kind of been in the media as well. That a lot of people sort of, I, I guess a lot of people feel that Parker was essentially the scapegoat at West Virginia. Neil Brown sort of was running the show. Didn't really let Parker do what he really wanted to do. And I, and at least at Notre Dame, I think that that's not going to be the case. He's going to have full autonomy of the offense. I, I mean, mostly because Marcus Freeman's not an offensive guy. So he has his values. I mean, he talked about it today. He wants he wants it to be a pro-style offense. He was very adamant about that. He wants it to be a – he used the word run first. I don't know if that's the most attractive phrasing for a lot of people in, this, in today's college football, but I think he really means that he just wants it to be balanced and he wants people to essentially fear the run. And because they fear the run, the pass the passing game opens up. And I think Parker sort of expanded on that better. But yeah, man, it was that that's and I wanted to touch on something Freeman said that I was actually pretty happy about. And it has nothing to do with the optics of the OC search or anything like that. When when someone brought up the idea of the hockey game, when they brought Ludwig out to the hockey game, you could tell that was a touchy subject from Freeman. He he essentially cut off whoever was speaking. I forget who it was. Yeah. And he was like, listen. We bring recruits to our campus. We take them to hockey games. We take them to basketball games, whatever it may be. Why would we not do the same thing for our offensive coordinator candidates? Now, obviously, Colin Klein, you know, we didn't see any pictures or videos of him at Notre Dame's campus, essentially outside of maybe a a plane video, I think is what we saw. But, you know, we didn't see any of that with Colin Klein. So it looked like maybe Ludwig was a tiny bit more serious or something like that. And I can understand why people hate that from a – you're essentially advertising him to the public. But I also liked the way Freeman sort of balked at that and said, listen, first of all, it's not his fault that people were taking photos and videos, right? He's just sort of doing his due diligence. He's trying to show a candidate a good time. Why does it have to be in secret when everybody already knows the guy's there? So I thought that was, whether people want to disagree with that or not, I guess is sort of a moot point. I just thought that was a very interesting because thing that he said because it seemed to kind of rub him the wrong way that it was even asked even though he said hey i'm happy you asked this it was almost like he was waiting for someone to to mention it so he could address it in a way to say listen we're going to do that moving forward whether it if, if we hire another oc during his time frame or another defensive coordinator or whatever it may be you know maybe it happens when notre dame's courting the new head coach for basketball as well even though marcus freeman is not going to necessarily be involved in that but it's just kind of the way things are done. And I like the way he approached that by saying, listen, sometimes just people tell you no. So we're not going to be afraid to make this known 
just because someone might say no in the end. And um, I, I thought that was, I guess, a really mature approach by, you know, a second year head coach. Yeah, I like that approach overall. And of course, he can't control the people that are that are taking photos or, you know, the people, the camera operators within the hockey arena that are posting them. Of course, you see the, the head football coach at Notre Dame. He's the most popular man in South Bend. So you put right. him up there and you want to put him on the Jumbotron and I get that. But at the same time, that's something Notre Dame needs to do a better job of. I mean, I get you want to put Freeman up there. I'm sure they didn't put Ludwig's name up there. But I will kind of stick with the point. If you're going to parade a, a guy around, something happened between now and then. The communication, there has to be something there where they must have felt like Ludwig was the guy. And then something happened. Something had to have happened. You don't do that for nothing. You don't see Notre Dame do that and it be a mistake. So that's why I still think that something something happened that we'll never know exactly what happened with Ludwig. And because there are so many stories about him leaving South Bend thinking he was going to take the job. And then you hear the whole buyout thing. And then he had to change your heart. Some, there's the truth, again, lies all in the middle of that. And I don't really know what to make of it. But. I think it, overall it's frustrating, but it doesn't really matter. I guess we can just focus on how well how well Parker handled himself today. Yeah, and I guess my biggest thing before we move on, I'll, we'll we'll hit Parker here just in a in a second. I guess my biggest thing is is like, does it really matter that he was in photos and videos or whatever it was? I mean, when people already know he was on campus, so like if they already knew he was on campus, what does it matter? I guess that's kind of my biggest thing. And at first I will say, like, I mean, when I saw those videos and photos, I was like, yeah, he's probably the guy. So I get that perspective hundred percent. But like, when I guess when I just really sat back and thought about it specifically after Freeman spoke today, I was like, you know, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, Freeman, I, I, I think it takes a lot of courage in a sense for him to not be afraid to quote unquote parade a guy around um, when there's a chance yeah. he says no. So I, I guess that's where I really respected the comments more than anything. Yeah, I get that. And owning it too. And I, I like that they're not going to, Notre Dame as a whole isn't going to stop that approach of showing whether it's a coordinator candidate or players, recruits, whatever, they're not going to stop showing them the best of what Notre Dame has in fear of not getting a guy. They're going to, they're going to put their best foot forward. I think that was Marcus's phrase was I'm putting my best forward you know whatever happens happens and you got to respect that yeah no absolutely I think we're, we're we're I think we're pretty much on the same page there if I'm being honest so yeah. with Parker and I, I want to get into his comments today but I wanted to get your take on this situation as well so the fact that Notre Dame is you know they, they brought in two guys I guess you could say three if you want to include Parker into that discussion they brought two guys onto campus we know that they were linked to several others. We heard that Byron Leftwich reached out. We heard that they were really interested in Brian Johnson, whether or not there was a big communication there. We know that there were there was at least some interest on Notre Dame's end specifically. Um, you know, we heard about Jason Candle, the Toledo head coach. We heard about Moorhead, the the Akron head coach, who I don't think they actually reached out to, but based on what we've heard. Um, you know, we, who's the guy at um I'm forgetting his name, the guy at Colorado right now, Sean Lewis. Um, yeah. we know that there was some communication with Sean Lewis. W one thing I, and obviously there were several others. We know it was a, I mean, a, a pretty sought after job in general. Um, one thing that really stuck out to me was the fact that they only brought in two guys to campus and then they sort of reverted to Parker. 
And I know sometimes some people are going to be like, well, the optics of it essentially was, is that Freeman probably settled for his buddy and a guy that he does respect because, you know, essentially he feels like Notre Dame wasn't going to be willing to spend money, which in my opinion, I think is kind of completely bogus, regardless of the opt-out optics. We know that Notre Dame pays their assistance well. We know Tommy Reese was making a lot of money. We know Tommy Reese didn't even leave for Alabama because of the money. So I, I to me, I think that's that's sort of bogus talk um, and, and sort of loser's talk, If I, to be completely honest with you. And I know that might rub some of our listeners the wrong way, but that's just kind of how I feel. Um, I, I find it interesting that essentially Parker came in as like this third choice. And some people are going to be like, okay, well, you got your third choice. That's bad. I'm sort of looking at it in the opposite direction that like Freeman obviously had a lot of respect for this guy to where, when, like you said, maybe Colin Klein was offered. Maybe he wasn't. I think we can all agree that Ludwig was at least offered the position and then, you know, whatever happened, happened next. But, but then Parker was essentially the third guy. He chose him over guys that we believe would have accepted the Notre Dame position like Joe Moorhead, uh, Sean Lewis, Jason Candle, I'm sure there's some other guys, maybe even Byron Leftwich would have accepted the position if Notre Dame officially like got him on campus and offered him. We don't know. But I think that the other three guys I mentioned are pretty, are, are, are pretty well known. If you subscribe to anything that th- those guys were, you know, people that Notre Dame either liked or had conversations with. And most of those guys maybe would have, would have probably accept, accepted the position if offered and Notre Dame decided to go, with Parker or Freeman decided to go with Parker. And I think that that's a nice little vote of confidence, even though he was the third choice, I guess, quote unquote. And I'm not going to say that that should give people some sort of confidence that he's the guy, but if you believe in Freeman and you believe what he's doing, it it certainly gets me a little bit more hyped up and excited about what could be um, with a guy like Jared Parker, because I don't think he was sort of just this like, oh my God, we're going to settle. He's our backup plan. Like uh, we're not really on board with this, but it's just kind of what we can do right now. Like I think that Freeman and the staff are actually like legitimately excited about what Parker can bring uh, to this offense. And one more thing, I know I'm kind of rambling a little bit here, but one more thing to add to that, bringing in, you know, Gino Gadouli, and I looked it up. So it is Gadouli. I think I looked it up on the Wisconsin website because he's still there. Um, I think that that helps a lot because I don't think there was really a QB coach that you could have brought in from a youth recruiting development standpoint. That would have been more of a, I guess, on paper home run hire to pair with, I guess, a relative, a relatively young and new OC um, in Jared Parker. So I think that they, if you were going to hire Jared Parker, hiring G- Gino Gadouli on top of that was was about as good as you could do for the QB position. So um, any thoughts there, Mason? Not a whole lot. I do like the pairing of um, not necessarily just having Parker come in here. I don't know if cold is the right word, but alone, but having a guy that's kind of been there, done that in Gadouli and knows quarterbacks and Parker has worked with extensive work with just about every other position than quarterback. You heard him talk about our references, times covering running backs and he didn't even really know how to work with running backs and then right. and he, and learned he has that, the wide receiver background or whatever right and then he was just recently in Notre Dame's tight ends so he knows the offensive position so now it just now you bring in the guy that wants to specifically work with quarterbacks which should smooth things over if there was any sort of issue and it seems like there isn't with Sam Hartman CJ Carr Kenny Minchie any of them and you start to look into who's going to be the offensive line coach and I think 
there's probably a couple dozen names you could throw out there, and I'm not going to act like a guy that studies offensive line coaches because I don't. So I'll right. just wait until somebody who does puts out a list. But, you know, it's it's starting to come together, and now is crunch time where they need the Notre Dame staff needs to put together a plan with – I think there's an immense amount of talent on offense, and how do you maximize it? I kind of got pulled out from under your feet when it came to Tommy Reese. You know what's funny, Mason, is – I know we used to always joke about the Cincinnati to Notre Dame connection, but man, yeah. it's, it's grown even more since Marcus Freeman essentially has come, come on board. I mean, obviously Brian Kelly, Cincinnati to Notre Dame. And then essentially they took Marcus Freeman. It essentially goes Mark. It goes Brian Kelly from head coach at Cincinnati to Notre Dame. And then Cincinnati defensive coordinator, <laughs> Marcus Freeman, to head coach at Notre Dame because obviously he was only at Notre Dame for one year. But then you have – so the last two head coaches like went straight from Cincinnati to Notre Dame, I guess is what I'm really getting at, which I find very funny, um, which is a good program, so so no slight on it there. But then now you have Brian Mason, you know, as the special teams coach, came from Cincinnati. Mike Mickens, I think, was a year, was a year prior to, to Freeman and probably was a big part of the reason why Freeman wanted to join the Notre Dame staff to begin with because they're pretty close – you know, he came from Cincinnati. Um, you know, now you have Gino Gadouli coming. You know, I guess he technically went to Wisconsin first, but has not coached, you know, a single game at Wisconsin. And I think a big reason why he was willing to come to Notre Dame was not only because it's, you know, Wisconsin versus Notre Dame, but also the fact that he gets to coach the position that he's always coached. I mean, he kind of just took the position at Wisconsin because it was probably a better position than what he was going to get at Cincinnati because Fickle left and who knows if he's going to be retained as OC and all that. Um, you know, so he took, I think he took on the role as what passing game coordinator and tight ends coach, cause they had already hired their OC, um, who was also a quarterback's coach and Phil Longo. And so now he's able to come to Notre Dame and coach the position that he has done so well at, at Cincinnati. I mean, De- Desmond Ritter comes to mind as kind of the main guy, but I know Tom Loy and I think it was Kevin Sinclair as well. Um, you know, talked about one of the guys that like, I think under Gino Gadulli, he recruited him at Cincinnati. Then he left because he wasn't playing. And then he came back because he liked Gadulli so much. Um, and he's credited him a lot for a lot of his uh, play. I forget, I forget his name, but he, I think he was their starter this past season. So at pretty much every, every quarterback that has been there under Gadulli at Cincinnati has been a good player. And if you go back to his previous days at other stops, um, it, it's kind of the same thing as well. So um, the Cincinnati and Notre Dame connection is, is pretty hilarious at this point. Yeah. And it's like, it's more than a coincidence. And you heard Freeman get asked about it or Parker, somebody mentioned it, the amount of coaches, uh, it's up to like half a dozen now that Notre Dame has on staff from Cincinnati. And, um, yeah, you, you, I was just kind of wondering as you were speaking there, Cincinnati fans, are they happy with Notre Dame? Like is Notre Dame like their other team or, or do they hate Notre Dame? Yeah, it could go two ways. Like they're like they're essentially a feeder, a, a coaching feeder program to Notre Dame. So um <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they probably hate Notre Dame. I'd probably hate Notre Dame if I was Cincinnati. If well, I was, I was about Cincinnati. to say that Cincinnati is Notre Dame's like triple A team, but they right, beat right. Notre Dame last time. So I don't I don't know. Like what, what what would you feel if you were a Cincinnati fan? I mean, I guess some people would probably have the awareness that Notre Dame's a better program. So at least like you're hiring really good coaches that are you know, going to Notre Dame, right. But, or going, you know, going a step up and in like Marcus Freeman's case, I mean, like literally he was the defensive coordinator the year prior 
to him being elevated to head coach at Notre Dame. So it's not like Cincinnati was going to hold on to him forever. Right. But yeah, you know, I, I don't know, man. Like, I don't, I, I don't know if they hate Notre Dame or not, but I think some rational fans would be like, man, like we'll just keep expecting it. But at the same time, like it's, I, I don't know now, maybe now that they're going to the big 12, it'll be different. Like they, they don't want to have like those sort of lateral moves, quote unquote. Um, Cause they weren't really lateral moves. It's kind of like the same reason why some people don't feel the Reese move from Notre Dame to Alabama was a lateral move. I know me and you probably feel a little bit differently on that. Um, but it, it's sort of a similar thing. Like if a guy leaves your program to go to Alabama, it's hard to blame them. And then if you're going from, you know, a, a group of five school to Notre Dame, like it's hard to be upset with that and feel bad about those coaches doing it. Yeah. And I would think rational fans like you and I, are, I would think are pretty rational and I'm rooting for Tommy. I root for other assistants. Like I know you're a big supporter of Lance Taylor, like always following his moves, like seeing what he does and obviously hoping that he does really well at Western Michigan. I always tend to follow the assistants around and see or former assistants, I should say, and see how they end up. And I think it's, it gives you more incentive to watch other programs. I mean, Notre Dame's more of a national program than like a Western Michigan, but um, I mean, why else would I watch Western Michigan unless they were playing ball state? So um, yeah, I think it's an interesting thing and just gets you more involved in college football, but do Cincinnati fans feel that way? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, as a fan, you probably like don't feel that way in the moment because you want to keep your coaches and you want to believe yeah. that you can compete. And Cincinnati, you know, to their credit, was in the college football playoff, not this past year, but the year before. So they obviously had some success and they probably feel like they can compete with the big boys. So we're getting a little off topic, I guess, but it's it's just interesting for sure. And I wonder if there's any more Cincinnati to Notre Dame connections to come here soon. I hope so. They tend to work out pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. Um Anything else? I mean, I know we've we've only been going here for a little bit, and I know we want to record later this week, so we don't want to get maybe too far into some stuff. Maybe the the Gino Gadouli hire will be official by then, and maybe they'll have an offensive line coach, maybe at least narrowed down by then. I know Tom Loy and then broke some names that they're interested in, and I would be surprised if it doesn't come from that list. Um, I don't really want to get into that list because it's, you know, I don't know if it's like out there info yet, but um, you know, there was definitely some solid names um, on there. So definitely check it out if you haven't already. But, you know, anything else, Mason, that you kind of really want to cover before we get out of here and, you know, speak speak later this week? Yeah, I think that's about it. Keep an eye out for our next show. And then maybe if there is some sort of breaking news, um, I'm, we might run a Twitter space or something like that to get everybody's immediate thoughts. We ran a couple spaces last week while Nathan was on vacation. Those went pretty well. Um, I was thinking, I meant to mention this at the top, that, I don't know if you and I are allowed to go on vacation anymore with all the changes that happened when you were on vacation. And the last time I took one was when Brian Kelly up and dipped. So um, I don't know if we're, uh, I don't know if that's a good thing for the golden homers. It seems like that's the case with a lot of people. Like, you know, every time you want to take a vacation or anytime you want to, you know, do something, something breaks. And I'm just happy we were here when the, when the Reese stuff uh, originally happened. So at least we kind of knew something was going to, you know, come to fruition at some point but i don't think either of us expected the uh like you said like i i'll, I'll keep using it because it's a great phrase the fiasco <laughs> that, that ensued yeah. after after reese left i think we all just kind of assumed it'd be a pretty easy process notre dame would identify their guys you know and honestly probably even land their you know i guess quote unquote top guy um you know i think 
at the time of Colin Klein getting to Notre Dame, we all just kind of assumed at that point in time, he was going to be the next OC for better or for worse. And then when, you know, when ultimately he went back to Kansas and decided to stick with Kansas, Kansas state, um, you know, and then Ludwig came in, if, like, what was it a day or two later, we all kind of just assumed Ludwig would be the guy. And then it just ensued into something crazy. So um I guess the only thing I'll say, and I, I, we've kind of already talked about it at the top of the show, but hate, hate the search, love the search, be mad at the Notre Dame administration, all that, all you want. But I would just encourage fans to give Parker your your support because if you're a true Notre Dame fan and you want Notre Dame to succeed, you don't want you you don't want Jared Parker to fail. You don't want Gino Gadulli to fail as quarterbacks coach. You don't want Marcus Freeman to fail as a as a, uh, you know, as the head coach in Notre Dame. And if, if Parker is very, very bad, then Freeman might not be here very long because ultimately it was his decision to, 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 to go with him after, you know, some of the other losses that, that, in, that, I, that incurred. So be, be upset, be upset with the administration all you want, say that behind closed doors, say it on Twitter, <laughs> social media, whatever, but just, I, and I think Mason, you probably echo these thoughts as well. So I don't really feel weird saying it, but, but give the guy your support. Cause I think, bare minimum you know like i said we all want notre dame to succeed and i think if we're all on his ass or whatever and you know not supporting him early on then it's just i think it's just a bad look to be honest as a fan base and um i, I guess that's i guess that's just like my true thoughts on the situation it's like regardless of you how you feel he's gonna do you know hope he does well because that that's only gonna help notre dame yeah, I would, I'm in with this. Just give the guy a fair shake. Um, the optics aren't great. Everybody knows that. Like I said, Notre Dame would admit that. But yeah, give him a fair shake. Uh, treat it like he was an outside hire because I think other it would be, it would be treated differently had it been. So I, I would be mad at like you said, be mad at the administration they didn't handle this right. But give Parker, give Parker a fair shot if you believe in Freeman and just hope these things all end up going well because he couldn't have spoke any better today. Right, right. And I guess the good thing is, too, is that it was sort of an outside hire when you think about it. I mean, yes, he's Freeman's boy, but it wasn't like Freeman was part of the Brian Kelly coaching tree or something like that and was elevated, sort of like Tommy Reese was. And a lot of people had issues with Reese simply because he was sort of the Brian Kelly protege in a sense, um, you know, played under him, coached under him for a long time. So at bare minimum, Parker came in last year as a as a guy that had not run t- the Tommy Reese offense or, you know, the Brian Kelly offense or anything like that. And now he gets to implement a lot of his own offensive, um, you know, tendencies or whatever to a playbook that is already there, um, which is why Sam Hartman came to Notre Dame. So I think it's a good thing for Sam Hartman to kind of still have that continuity um, as a coaching staff in a sense, because that's who he committed to overall, um, even though he was frustrated over Tommy Reese. So, I mean, regardless of the optics, like you said, Mason, I mean, I think you can treat it as a, as an outside hire because it kind of is an outside hire um, like overall. Yeah. I'm with you. I think that's all, that's, that's all I've got for today. Awesome. Like always guys follow the fanboys uh, for all of our content. That's uh, we are still with them. Um, we we've kind of had some different op- optics there when it comes to optics seems to be the key word for the day, but um yeah, we're affiliated with winning winning edge sports network, but in general, our podcast is affiliated with the, the fanboys. So follow the fanboys.com follow Mason at Mason plumber underscore follow myself at Nathan underscore Erbach follow the golden homers at golden homers. 
And like I said earlier, uh, we will most likely have another episode this week and probably like Mason said, his spaces as well. Um, maybe when some news breaks and, and different things like that. And then hopefully we can start getting back into some recruiting talks. I know that's what me and you are very passionate about. So um, as always, guys, go Irish and we'll see you then. The Golden Homers are a proud sponsor of Homes for Troops, a publicly funded 501c3 nonprofit organization that builds and donates specially adapted custom homes nationwide for severely injured post-9-11 veterans. Since its inception in 2004, nearly 90 cents out of every dollar spent has gone directly to our program services for veterans. Visit at hfotusa.org. Thank you.